The Whistler Podcast. Candid conversations about everything Whistler with host Mayor Jack Crompton. I'm Mayor Jack Crompton and I hope you've had a terrific summer. It's exciting to be here in the Mountain FM studios in the heart of Whistler Village to record our very first Whistler podcast. Uh, I couldn't be more excited to get to work on something I've been dreaming about for a while. Our guest today has been an active member of the Whistler scene for a long time. She led the communications effort for Tourism Whistler for a long time. She was critical to the success of the 2010 Olympic Games. She's been an incredible help to me personally as I figure out what it means to communicate as mayor of Whistler. I'm happy to have as my first guest on the Whistler podcast, Manager of Communications at the Resort Municipality of Whistler. Thanks for joining me, Michelle Como. Thanks so much for having me. It's great. Yeah. I, I was, um, as we sat down to uh, get to work on the podcast, I thought one of the most interesting things that we could chat to people about is why Whistler? Why, why do you live here? What in, makes you love this place and stick around? Well, I've been in Whistler for about 20 years now, and first and foremost, the mountains and our our wilderness backyard is really yeah. the top thing for me. Yeah. Having the trails and the peaks and the lakes and the forests literally at our doorstep is, is just amazing. Even yeah. after 20 years, um, every day, I, I appreciate that. Um, I also think, um, I was thinking about, you know, what makes Whistler special. And I think one of the things that always comes back to me is, is our pioneering spirit as a community and the way that we do things in, in Whistler, we push the limits, we strive for big things, big dreams and doing things differently. And I think that's always set Whistler apart and has always been something that I've loved about Whistler. And yeah, I think we've got an edge, we've got a resiliency and kind of an energy that a lot of places don't have. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's unique about Whistler. Um, you know, whether it was, you know, building some of the original s- summer resort experiences way back when, you know, 100 years ago, or building a huge, amazing uh, ski resort in the big mountain wilderness yeah. that's now very different today or bringing the winter games here um they're they're big ideas and whistler's up for the challenge so that pioneering spirit is is really part of a special part of this place it's the first time i've heard it referred to as a pioneering spirit i've always referred to it as people choose to live here like you don't talk to many people who uh say you know i just ended up here for no reason no i i want to be a part of what's happening in the mountains pioneering spirits a it's a good way to put it yeah. Well, I, I, the way we're going to format the podcast is the first um, half, we're going to talk about current events, what's happening in town, local government. And then the second half, we hope to dig into some topics in, in more depth. So why don't we just get right into local chatter? I was struck this morning as I was listening to CBC that the writ has dropped leadership federally will be changing very shortly. We have uh, a new COO at Whistler Blackcomb that's coming in soon at the RMOW. We'll be hiring a new CAO very shortly. So I was struck that there is change afoot in the leadership in our community. And I, I wanted to put it out there and say, what are your thoughts on the writ and the changes in leadership in our, in our community? Yeah, it's really interesting that those three things are actually on our plate today and and I was struck this morning too with the uh, the federal announcement and 
I guess it's it's back to school. It's changes in the mm-hmm. air, yeah. and uh, it'll be really interesting to see how all three of those go. Um, on Whistler Blackcomb, you know, Whistler Blackcomb really has always been such a core part of our community and life by the blood of Whistler. And, you know, I think whoever is at the helm there will, you know, they have so many different things they need to connect with. Their staff, the community, the head office in Vail. And uh, it'll be interesting to see um, Jeff come into that role. And uh, Yeah, the new guy is Jeff Buckheister. Yes. Which is an interesting uh, (laughs) name. It's all H's. Buckheister. I, I sent him a Facebook friend request. So I'm I'm waiting to see. He hasn't responded yet, but I'm sure he will at some point soon. I think he gets here mid-October, I have heard. Yeah, or maybe even earlier. So, yeah, yeah, that'll be exciting. So Pete Sontag is taking on a regional role. He moves back to Broomfield, and he will still have oversight on Worcester Blackcomb, as far as I understand. So Jeff will report to uh, Pete, which is interesting. It, it, it feels a little bit like we're maybe a little bit further even from Vail than we've been before, uh, but someone who has uh, some experience with, with Whistler and has lived here will now be in Colorado, understands who we are, and maybe can uh, you know, share a little bit of what Whistler is um, back to the mothership. So Absolutely. Be, it's interesting I think, changes. I think that's a, a really important uh, point that he's going to be back there bringing his experiences from a couple of years here. That's uh, pretty powerful. I think I've always thought Whistler really needs a strong relationship with Vale. In my opinion, one of the most important ways that we build that strong relationship is is candor, is saying to Vale what is important to us. And sometimes that's not an easy conversation. It's a it's a tougher conversation. But um, Whistler is unique, and we like to think of ourselves as unique. Um, and when those conversations get to the kind of root of of why we think of ourselves as different, I think that we have good conversations with Vale. And I think uh, one of the goals I really have as mayor is is to not shy away from those difficult conversations uh, when the opportunity presents itself. So it's interesting changes, interesting changes. Um, for sure, we are further from the Dave and Doug show than we have been in the past, which I always like to see Doug Forseth walking around town and say, you did a wonderful job running this <laughs> ski resort. So uh, our next topic that I wanted to get into is the lowering the residential speed limits to 30 kilometers an hour. Um, the, uh, this, um, have you... I, I wanted to ask about your driving and my driving <laughs> and talk about that. Have you driven 50 kilometers an hour through a residential neighborhood? I have in some cases. And like lately? Do you remember what it was like? Yes, it feels fast. It feels so fast. Actually. I yes. did it today and I thought, this is unsafe. Legal, but unsafe. So I'm struck that when we think about uh, downgrading the speed limit, um, it takes just a drive through a neighborhood to kind of understand exactly what this is asking. And um, it's, it's an interesting conversation. We had 80 letters in our last council package from the residents of Nicholas North. Um, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on 50 kilometers, 40 kilometers, 30 kilometers? How fast should people drive through neighborhoods? Well, I think it's really interesting that um, through this discussion, it became um, apparent that there's a standard mm-hmm. for municipalities, and it's 50. It's not just in Whistler. Yeah, it's a standard uh, around the British, around British Columbia, maybe beyond. And uh, 
So I was kind of surprised to learn that, but it's interesting. And I think maybe one size doesn't fit all. Some in some neighborhoods, maybe fifty is correct, yeah, and the best and feels good, yeah, and is the right speed. But in other neighborhoods, it could be lowered. I think. Mm-hmm. And the pilot project that we have going on in uh, Function. Function Junction, yeah, I think people have responded really positively so far. Yeah, um, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, this all stemmed for me from uh, uh, Councillor Jen Ford going to a conference in Surrey called Vision Zero that talks about um, how communities across the world, starting in Sweden, can uh, increase road safety. And it's a lot of infrastructure changes, the way roads are built, the way sidewalks are constructed. But one of the major pieces that she brought back was an encouragement to lower speed limits to 30 kilometers in all residential neighborhoods and it's picking up steam in in other communities Vancouver has talked a lot about wanting to do the same thing the challenge they have is because they don't have one entrance and exit to every neighborhood in Vancouver and it's on a grid that would mean signage cost would be out of control in the city of Vancouver and so they've asked the province to downgrade that standard that you talk of from 50 to 30 I think that your point about a a, a um, pilot program and function is interesting, and I'm hopeful that we get there sooner rather than later, but I'm willing to wait to have the province pay uh, if that opportunity presents itself. Um, okay, moving on to this week in housing, a topic that I want to kind of bring to the table each week. Uh, council finally got our first look at the Vail Dormitory at our last council meeting, Glacier 8 which was extremely exciting. Any initial reaction from you on Glacier 8? Well, I think it's just great to see it come forward. As we all know, housing is one of our top priorities and having um, Vail come forward with a new dormitory, which they announced some time ago, and have it actually come forward to council as an official rezoning Mm -hmm. project, which says this is happening, it's moving forward, is super exciting. And it's great to see a private company come to the table with a solution for their staff or part of their staff. And uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, some of the other projects coming forward as well. It's it's really great news. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a big project, and we just gave it f- um, permission to proceed. So that means that the hopefully the rezoning process will move fairly quickly, and they can have shelves in the ground uh, next year. It'll make a big. Uh, difference. I never had the joy of living in staff housing. Did you? I did not. You no. did not. No. All right. <laughs> My first housing experience in Whistler was in a sauna under a set of stairs in Alpine, which was an adventure to say the least. But but not staff housing. How about you? That what sounds was your pretty first? exciting. It was exciting. Yeah. My first place in Whistler was uh, a ground floor suite in a house in Tapley's. Okay. Which was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was, Walkable. Uh, it was great. Luxury. Yeah. Luxury. Awesome. <laughs> um, great. On to the Whistler Library. This week, Brandon Barrett wrote an article in The Peak that I has had everybody talking, me, everyone I've talked to has been um, uh, excited about. And one of the pieces that stuck out to me was his, uh, he wrote the feature, which talked about libraries globally and the impact of this library here. And then he followed it up with a op-ed love letter to the library, Whistler Library, which I thought was neat too. Did you get a chance to read it? I did. I read both and uh, I thought it was it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, it was just a really interesting twist on, on libraries and really brought to life what we see in our library every day. I and mean, it's, 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 the, it's the community's living room. Uh-huh. And I think a lot of people call it that and use it that way. And uh, it, it's great to hear his perspective on how it really impacts people's lives here and yeah. visitors' lives. Yeah. 
It was such a controversial start to the library, and it was a it was something that was politically so hot for so long, uh, and now it's you know one of the most loved and m- most well used buildings in our community. Absolutely. We're so much better for having it there. Yeah, I, I I was really struck by the comments around sort of evening the playing field, giving people who don't have access to uh, living spaces opportunity to have beautiful living spaces and access to resources that they might not have otherwise. It's a real uh, community building facility. And I hadn't seen it that way before reading Brandon's letter. I'd always seen it as a place that I'd go to get books or movies. And it's a kind of real transactional place. I would walk in, I'd grab my stuff and I'd leave rather than I would go and I would have access to living spaces. And I think that that's mm-hmm. such a beautiful insight. Yeah, the experiential part of it mm-hmm. and that living room sentiment is, I think it's really important. And that's probably the biggest shift in libraries. Your, yeah. You know, your kind of original idea of a place where you do a transaction or take out a book to today, it's a place you go and hang out. Maybe you read a book, maybe you plug in your computer, do an assignment. There's talk of whatever, having uh, 3D printers in, yeah. in libraries. And and there's a lot of educational opportunities through the, through the library and free education that people can have have access to. There's all kinds of um, community events that take place there, partnering with uh, nonprofits and community and such. So yeah, it's a a place for thought leadership and discussions and and conversations. Yeah, I agree. Well done. Well done on him. I thought it was great. You were listening to the Whistler Podcast, candid conversations on current events, local government, and everything Whistler. Okay, so uh, those are some... uh, sort of current eventy things that are happening in town. Uh, we are moving now into the second half of uh, our conversation. I wanted to talk today about podcasting. Why are we doing this? Um, what is a podcast for Whistler? Why would we do this? And I just wanted to start and ask you about communications. What does the RMOW care about as it communicates to our community? Um, what do you want to get across to people? Um, what are the formats that we use? Um, tell me about communications. Okay, well, first and foremost, I think communications for any organization is is an extension of the work of that organization. And for me, for the municipality, that's a really important point because I think our role as the municipality is really we're stewards of this place, yeah. this very special place, and uh, it's a really important role, and I'm honored to be part of that. Um, so with that in mind, I think you know good communications considers a lot of different factors, um, things like... Um, Different people like to receive information in different ways, Mm -hmm. at different times, through different channels, and even there's different types of information that people want to receive, and um, also with the way people want to engage with us. There's Mm -hmm. different ways that uh, different people have different preferences. Um, Some people want to get really engaged, and other people just want to know that the job's getting done and they don't have to worry about it too much. So keeping all of those things in mind is, is really important. There's a lot of different ways to share information and engage with people. Um, I always find every year when we get the results from the Community Life Survey mm-hmm. super interesting because we ask people those types of questions and and uh, they tell us what they what they want to hear and and how they want to engage with us and even how they want to 
um, receive administrative services and that type of thing. So it's quite interesting. Um, one of the things that we've seen change over recent years is, of course, no surprise, that people want more things digitally, mm-hmm. um, whether it's more social media or more e-newsletters or website or even um, receiving services online or being able to do more transactions online. So I found that really interesting. But the, what's also interesting is people still want to have conversations. Mm-hmm. They still want to go to open houses and have one-on-one conversations. And they still love the local media. Um, but having said all of that, podcasting is something that we haven't done before. And are you a consumer of podcasts yourself? I am not, actually. Okay. I have to admit. Um, full disclosure, I'm not a <laughs> podcast junkie yet. I um, am, so that's good. <laughs> One of us is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, so I think podcast is, is it's going to be really interesting to, to do this. And I have to give you credit for the idea. I think there's been a lot of really interesting successes out there with, uh, with podcasts and a different way to have a conversation with people and engage and share information. What are, what are some of the podcasts that you love um, out there? Well, there, Freakonomics is done by, is, is phenomenal. It, it looks at um, sort of the hidden side of economics and talks a lot about city building and, and, and what it means to uh, kind of take a different look at things. I love Freakonomics. Canada Land is an interesting podcast that I've just started listening to that um, just talks about all things Canada mm-hmm. and is, is sort of interested in politics, got, uh, um, current events, all kinds of things. I listen to The Economist every day, which I find fascinating. And really anything political for me. I, I spend a lot of my time when I'm riding my bike listening to people talk about where Canada's going, where the UK is going lately. He's been spending a lot of time listening to BBC podcasts mm-hmm. lately about the proroguing of par- Parliament and Brexit and, and what's happening over there. Um, I guess my hope with what we do here at the Whistler podcast is that we give a venue for to have those conversations that might feel a little bit uncomfortable when you originally put them out there because it's the stuff that people are talking about. The conversation we had earlier about I hope the second half of this podcast is those type of things that when you're at a dinner party, it draws a crowd and and people want to participate in that conversation and they want to hear each other's thoughts. Those times at dinner parties when we really start getting into a discussion of the things that we care about in the community we care about, I hope that's what sort of frames the podcast, that we have those opportunities to have those conversations that um, matter to us. Uh, and I hope this becomes a venue for that. Absolutely. Mm. I think it's um, it's a different way to have a conversation. And hopefully, you know, people, it, it's more accessible to people. It's one of those, another one of those channels where people can listen to it whenever they want, wherever they want. They can be doing something else while they listen to it, riding their bike or, or what have you. So I think... That's a lot of value. And yeah, it's a different format. It's an ability to have a candid conversation about mm-hmm. what people are talking about in the community. I was uh, reading a, an article about um, how, why podcasts die. And apparently seven podcasts is where, where you know, most bad podcasts end up 
you know, so we have to get to at least 10, I would, <laughs> okay. I would say. But uh, it's exciting to think that this will get better, that we'll learn about uh, how to have these conversations well. And I hope our community feels very um, welcome to send us ideas to, uh, you know, put up their hand and say, I want to participate in that conversation. I have some ideas to share. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited about the fact that Whistler changes so fast and there's so many interesting people that go through this place and there's so many interesting conversations to have uh, that moving forward from here, there's more to do, more to say, more to, more to learn, which that's what excites me about podcasts. I learned so much just listening to conversations about things people care about. And I hope that we get to do a, a bunch of that here. Absolutely. So, totally agree. Um, Michelle, thank you for uh, participating in this first uh, episode. Thank you for the work you do in our community. It's really important work. I think people having the opportunity to understand what their government's doing, how their taxes are spent, it's important work, and you do it so well. I've I've been so impressed ever since I've been involved. Um, And I want to thank our listener or more than one uh, to our first podcast and we I look forward to doing many more of these and I hope you'll come back uh, and talk to me again thank you very much Doc it's been my pleasure you've been listening to the Whistler podcast candid conversations about everything Whistler to find out more about the Whistler podcast visit whistler.ca slash Whistler podcast